In 2015, I took a two-week trip to Israel, and on our first night there in Tel Aviv, the capital, I stayed at the Renaissance Hotel overlooking the Mediterranean Sea with a group, a cohort of pastors I was there with. And when, when we got off the bus, I found I literally had to push my body and suitcase forward to get through the wind that was so thick and heavy just to get inside the door of the Renaissance Hotel. The locals there swore this almost never happens. It's never this windy, never this cold. But a bunch of Presbyterian pastors showed up and <laughs> something was different. Well, that night I go to sleep and the wind is still audibly howling outside. And at one point it becomes so incredibly loud, I kind of wake up and say in the way you do when you're only halfway awake, I look kind of over at my roommate and I go, is the hotel falling down? And, and he goes, no, I don't think so, but it, it did open the door to our porch, the wind. And it had, a previously perfectly locked door, pretty thick glass door had been jarred open by the wind. And, and so I go, oh, okay. And I roll over and I fall back asleep while he gets up and then fights the door back closed against the wind and tells me all about it in the morning. Looking back, I should have had more of a heightened sense of anxiety because truly, we had no control over this rather heavy wind and how it was blowing and the way it was blowing. Texans, I know. Y'all know a lot about heavy wind, right? Jesus knows about wind as well. The wind blows where it chooses. You hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Spirit, same exact word in Greek as wind, pneuma. Jesus is explaining how the presence of God works. It is as palpable and real as wind and as impossible to grasp or control as wind. I think this is what is so challenging to a guy like Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes on the scene. We learn he's a Pharisee, right? A religious leader, well-trained after many years, knows his scripture, knows about God. And yet he comes at night, maybe in part because he doesn't want to raise gossip about who he's hanging out with. But, but John has another meaning there, too. What is suggested here is that for all of Nicodemus' right credentials, right religion, right confessions... He's in the dark. And we catch some of that vis-a-vis -vis the interaction he has with Jesus. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus says, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above or born again. Nicodemus, sharp guy, logical guy, responds very matter-of-factly. How can anyone be born again after they've grown old? Can you, can you go back inside of your mother's womb? And he's right, of course. There is a logical progression to how life goes. You're born, you grow, you die. There's a logical progression for how one trains and studies to become a religious leader. A logical progression for, for, for how maturity and growth and stature occur in any number of ways and places. Born again as the thing. Not logical. Well, on that same trip in Israel, we visited Yad Vashem, the Holocaust Museum there. Absolutely enormous, not easy to tour, as you might imagine. 
One of the more poignant, poignant moments for me in that museum occurred when I walked by this section, and it's filled with these faces and names and brief biographies of these various German officers, and it wasn't clear to me at first what this, these walls were about. So I keep reading about these men, and, and what struck me is every one of these are their officers and leaders who attended really some of the most prestigious universities in all of Europe. They had double majors in arts and science. Most of them were confessing Christians. They were some of the most brightest and capable people a society could put forth. And then I saw why they were on this particular section, this wall. These were the leaders of the folks who paved the road for what we eventually call and know as the Holocaust. These were the leaders of this whole process that they, they felt very enlightened about in the 1930s that, that began with the, putting the Jewish people in ghettos. Now, it's far too easy to point fingers at the past and point out all the ways they should have, could have, known, done differently. But the fact is, the reason that museum stands today is because the real truth is that humans of every age can, in fact, have all the right knowledge the noble traditions, the right confessions, and still be totally in the dark, unaware. To seek the kingdom of God, you must be born again. That's the thing. How humbling a moment for Nicodemus to hear that the one thing he most needed, most essential to all of it, was the one thing he couldn't attain to, credential to, train unto. How can you be born again? Fortunately, we heard Jesus elaborates on what it looks like for the presence of God to take hold of a life and, and open it and fill it and, and raise it. The wind blows where it chooses. You hear the sound. You don't know where it's going, where it's, where it's come, where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. The wind blows. Somehow being born again has to do with this wind blowing on us, in us, through us. Can you harness the wind? Joan Gray, the former moderator of the Presbyterian Church USA, this denomination we're part of, uh, has a book that our officers and staff read about three years ago at this point called Sailboat Church. And in it, she compares two types of churches, the rowboat church and the sailboat church. <laughs> rowboat churches are those that get things done on their own power, their own intellect, their own planning, their own sense of theology. Our energy will get this done. Like Nicodemus, rowboat churches appreciate logic, appreciate a one, two, three, fix-it mentality to change something in their life as individuals, in their life as a people. Rowboat churches may well be, Joan Gray says, learning and studying scripture and doing mission work, but she writes at the end of the day, for rowboat churches and rowboat individuals, quote, the actual experience of the personal presence of God is not much sought or expected in the church or the lives of its members. We've got, we've got the oars. Yeah, we, we might be a little tired, not going as far or fast as maybe we hope, but you know what? It feels good to be in control. We've got the oars. 
Nicodemus rose so well all night long. You ever been in that boat? All the forward motion, insight, and power. It's whatever we can muster and figure out. But any time, what if any time that we're in control, we're actually in the dark? Sailboat churches, by contrast, Gray, Joan Gray points out, are fundamentally led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. The wind. They're comprised of people who are okay, not knowing what's going to happen next. Or even if they're not okay, they at least know that more than anything else, they have got to open their sails and let the wind blow and move wherever the wind is blowing and moving. This is terrifying, right, for most of us, because if we really open our heart all the way to, to whatever's ne- whatever God has next, whatever God might do or say, who knows what might or who might get blown into our lives. Or blown out. Goodness, if if you've ever seen wind catch a sailboat, you know the one guarantee is this. That boat's going to move. And has very little say over the pace. And even direction. What would it look like to come before God this morning? And loosen our grip on any of the oars that, that do give us a sense of control or maybe even self-worth. I mean, what would it look like to loosen our grip on our credentials or recognitions? Or loosen our grip on the oars of, of, our, of our certainty, our right thinking? Loosen the grip on those oars of our last name or our reputation, our standing in the community, the oars of our bank account or assets or stuff. And with our hands now empty, what if the only thing we did was unfurl the sail? God, we're open for your wind, your spirit, the direction and pace we know we, we can't control, but, but we are promised in Scripture that if it's your wind, every single time the fruit of that wind is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Amen. Nicodemus hears all this talk about this wind that's moving, because that's what wind does. It moves. And do you remember how he responds? How can this be? It's a sobering commentary that the wind can really break right through the door, break the locks off, and come and stand right in front of you and begin talking. And even so, you can roll back over and fall asleep. Or, who knows, maybe Nicodemus woke up a few days later. 
It was about a week after the Tel Aviv hotel incident that I went out one early morning to walk along the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus did a lot of ministry. And I brought my music, and I listened to an album by this Christian band called Jars of Clay. It was their first album that they did back in the mid-90s. It was an album I used to listen to back then all the time. These were my teenage years, and, and they were years of, of great passion and faith when it came to following Jesus. And so I'm listening to the music of my childhood faith, and, and a song called Faith Like a Child comes on. And I pause and look out at the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus walked on water, and, and the lyrics of that song at one point say, they say I can walk on water if I would follow and believe with faith like a child. And without warning, tears started to fall. And I didn't know why at first, but sometimes that's, that's just the wind for you. I eventually realized that the tears were equal part grief and joy. Grief because I, I kind of missed the passionate teenage years of, of faith where, yeah, there was a lot unknown, but it was sort of beautiful to trust the wind. And I sort of lamented the many times I had allowed my faith to become kind of in my own way Nicodemus-like. Too often the Christian faith had become an intellectual debate, a program to manage and run, a talking piece over dinner, a thing to control and understand. And joy. Joy, too, because the moment those tears started to drop, I began to recognize this was God. This was the wind unfurling the heart once more. As I listened to Faith Like a Child all the way through, it struck me that being born again, it's not a one-time thing. It's a over-and-over-time thing where the wind of God keeps doing what the wind cannot help but do. Keep moving toward us and for us and through us. The wind is a relentless wind, an uncontrollable wind, a beautiful wind, a living and active wind. What if we could let go of the oars and open ourselves to the miracle of new birth even this morning? Amen.